Natasha, how are you? Very good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you very much. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Robinson of OLEV here. Um, would you like to introduce yourself more formally? Of course. Uh, so, my name is Natasha Robinson. I'm Joint Head of the Government's Office of Low Emission Vehicles, uh, which is a joint unit that's been in place since about 2009 um, and works across the Department for Transport and the Department for Business and Industrial Energy Industrial Strategy. Uh, and we work across both bits. I'm joint head because uh, I have a job share partner, Vicky Edmonds. Indeed, right. So, and, and we, we were just discussing, we think you started in 2016, is that right? That sounds about right. Yeah, so, <laughs> I so was trying to remember whether it was four, three or four years ago. I think it was four years ago now. Yeah, four years. So, seen plenty of change in that period uh, for sure, both the industry and in the government, actually, uh, as well in that regard. So, um, talking about your own background, Natasha, so how, how, what was your path into the head of OLEV role? Uh, well, I'm a complete policy wonk, so I've done a lot of different government jobs, mostly in transport, but mostly um, I joined the civil service through its graduate scheme, um, and I've done a lot of different roles um, in transport, uh, transport strategy, I've done um, bills, well, took an act through parliament, and some of the biggest jobs I did was I was principal private secretary, which um, if you think, if you know yes minister or, or yes prime minister, Bernard, basically. Right. Okay. Um, so I was burned in, in the Department for Transport um, uh, for about three and a bit years um, towards the end of the Labour government, start of the coalition government. Right. So yeah. So so you're somewhere between a wonk and Bernadette, effectively, is <laughs> uh, of your career. F fantastic. So yeah, really the heart of this for some time, which uh, yeah. obviously very well suited to your role. Talking specifically of you now, we know that obviously you're an enthusiast for uh, you know, low carbon or ultra low emission vehicles. Um, you, you walk the walk as well, don't you? You are a, a leaf driver. I do. I have a I have an old school Nissan Leaf, a 2014, uh, which I bought secondhand a few years ago. Um, I think from last time I looked it up on Auto Trader, I actually it's worth about the same as it was when I bought it, which is quite nice. But yeah, so we've um, we've had that for the last three years I think it's coming up to so yeah I absolutely love it my one goes a maximum of about 80 miles uh, we don't have another car so there is the occasional bit where it can be a bit of a challenge um, I do have aspirations to um to get one of the new hot off the press leafs or maybe some, one of the other ones which are out there at the moment which do about you know 180 200 miles sounds good to me and we definitely cover everything we do <laughs> fantastic well, well it's good to hear you're, you're up the shot, miles covers almost everything we do so yeah. it's just the odd long trip but yeah indeed but well, it, it's good to, you to see that you are you know at the sharp end of this to an extent so you are aware of kind of the, the limitations of the, the earlier cars but i've said it before to you you should really look into some of the government incentives here there's some really good stuff <laughs> that could save some money right uh, now let's talk about something a bit more miserable um, so coronavirus, what sort of, um, I, I guess there are potentially some threats out of this, you know, we're, we're going through a period of economic uh, uncertainty, we're about to end the furlough scheme, of, uh, um, which may have uh, lead us into a bit of a downturn. Um, from your from your side of things, do you see any particular threats to, say, you know, the uptake of ultra low emission vehicles? I would say, um, I think, at the moment, it could go either way. Um, I know the government 
as a whole, um, and including obviously us, uh, really want to see you know a green recovery, people making the switch to electric vehicles, uh, people taking the opportunity to do that. And actually, some of the figures that we've seen, I think the SMMT ones came out just the other day, um, are showing some really good figures in terms of the market holding up for electric vehicles and uh, and that sort of thing. So I think there's some really positive signals um, coming through that side. Um, I think anything which um, damages consumer confidence, it damages businesses, particularly looking to invest in their fleets, because we know fleets are, you know, they're a big contributor in terms of the first sales of vehicles, which is one of the things we really need to drive. Um, so I think anything that increases uncertainty in that is going to have a, it could have an impact. So yes, plenty to look at there. Um, there's also the sort of, you know, what, what happens with the car companies and then thinking about the, sort of their own research and development and mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so a very mixed picture. I think it could come out very well. I think it could not. I think one of the bits that from a carbon point of view, that's the bit that we're particularly looking at. You know, if people are t- holding on to their, their current vehicles for longer, that's not great in terms of the sort of carbon from the fleet because we know older vehicles more polluting. Um, so you do want sort of new vehicles coming onto the system. So yeah, um, generally I, I think the jury's out. We're obviously keeping a close eye on it, and um, and there's a sort of lot of sort of international picture in that as well. But you know, some reason for optimism, I think, um, and hopefully we'll be in that territory. Yeah, very much so. I, I guess we are reliant on people buying new cars and people tend not to make those purchases when they're feeling economically insecure. So that's clearly a concern. I, I have to say that that's one thing we always have to keep in mind. And I've been to a couple of events where uh, people have criticised the government's incentives as being only for, for new cars when everyone is trying to uh, usually buy second-hand cars. So, well, yeah. there won't be second-hand cars. Um, unless people buy them new. That's sort of the natural yeah. route. <laughs> so we need to get through that stage first. So let's be a little more positive. Um, as you say, there's potential for some opportunities to come out of this as well. So um, what are the opportunities you're seeing? We're suddenly seeing some pretty bold policies uh, from government in general, you know, the furlough scheme itself, Eat Out to Help Out, which is a great success, certainly, certainly where I am. Um, do you see any other sort of opportunities springing out of, out of COVID-19? Um, well, I think, like I said, on our agenda, there is a lot of interest in this across government. I mean, we've got putting COVID to one side. Uh, you've got things like um, uh, the the big COP meetings, so the big international climate change meeting due to happen in the UK next year. You know, there's quite a big appetite for, for international leadership in this space and quite a lot of you know, personal commitment from, from our ministers and things. Um, so the Secretary of State for Transport is an electric vehicle driver as well, as is um, the minister who's responsible for our area. So, you know, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of will behind it um, and a lot of interest in it. And, you know, it comes down to tra- cars and vans, uh, sort of 19 percent of, of domestic um, greenhouse gas emissions. That's bigger than residential. It's bigger than business than the business thing. If you if we're going to reach net zero, which is a legislative commitment you need to do something about decarbonizing cars and vans and the good news on that is there is options there are things that we can do and the question is how can we do it um, and what's the best way of doing it and what sort of things do government need to do to support that and what does you know what's the role of everybody else within that 
Superb. Well, that was very timely because the next question indeed is about the pathway to net zero. Yeah. Um, and net zero 2050, it's a, it's a great commitment from the UK government. Um, you know, it is, it is in law, so we are doing it. Um, to that end, you, you've uh, launched the 2030X consultation. Of course, yeah. it was the Committee on Climate Change that identified you had to get to zero emission uh, new sales by 2035 to give 15 years for the uh, emitting vehicles to, to be out the the, the uh, the, the vehicle park by, by the time it gets to 2050 makes perfect sense. We support it, we say earlier, but the, you wouldn't be surprised to, to learn that. The question I would like to ask you, Natasha, is how on earth do you balance the views? So a lot of stakeholders in the industry, it's all very obvious to us because we have one view. You know, uh, our, ourselves and the infrastructure industry, et cetera, have one view. You have the climate lobby that have a view, which would be, I mean, you must, it's obvious you must be very aggressive with these things. Then we see sort of the consumer view. You need to balance all these things. We saw last week, uh, we had surveys from Auto Trader, the AA, the SMMT, all coming to relatively different conclusions on how ready the consumer was to, to, to switch over to electric vehicles. And of course, then you have to represent the, the government as well. So there's some pressure sort of top down. Um, very simply, how on earth do you do that? Good question. So we we ran the 2030X consultation, we launched that, basically that said, following the advice from the Committee on Climate Change, in order to reach net zero, we think we need to go to 2035 or earlier, if we think we can deliver that. So that's what we've been having a look at. Um, and the consultation of that is closed at the end of July. So essentially, over that period, we... Um, we obviously we look at this a lot anyway, but we gathered in a lot more evidence from people. Uh, we we did sort of a formal consultation bit where people provide consultation responses. But as I mentioned before, we did a lot of uh, we did a lot of panels, we did a lot of stakeholder groups, uh, we talked to people a lot. There was a lot of dialogue around it, um, and I think there are quite different views. I mean, for me, as you've already mentioned, it really comes back to the consumer. You know, if we can't get either the individual consumer or the fleet manager to think that it's the right choice for them, then, you know, you, you're a bit stymied in terms of what you can do. You know, you can you can put in place regulations and stuff to, to help assist this. And that is definitely part of the picture um, in terms of doing that. At the moment, we're part of the CO2 regulations, uh, but we're thinking about how, you know, how that goes forward in the future. But it is only part of it. You really need to get that sort of hearts and minds bit. And government needs to both provide leadership, but also and sort of, but also go with the grain a bit in terms of um, t taking the consumer um, with them. So yeah, I, I think there's quite a lot to do in that, quite a lot of balancing of different points. Um, but I think at the end of the day, quite a lot of this is, you know, it's genuinely a judgment call there um, around balancing the different areas of concerns, because all of the concerns, you know, both in favour of doing it earlier, in favour of doing it later, um, these are all valid reasons and they're, they're valid points of view and they might come from type, slightly different places but at the end of the day it's the job of the sort of ministers and uh, and things to sort of look at all of that and us to provide them with all of that information and for them to then sort of take a balanced view on on where they want the um want the uk government position to be um but for me i would say you know target's one thing but also then you need the plan of how to get there and what do you need in order to in order to deliver on that so that's the other thing that i spend most of my time worrying about yeah, I guess that, that, that date is a headline aspiration. It sets direction, it has power, but you're right, it's not the means yeah. by which to do this. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways, just setting the expectation can help move the dial mm -hmm. on something. 
I mean, if you're looking at something like I don't know, investment in, in charging infrastructure, the more certainty that, uh, um, you know, your pension funds and that sort of thing can have that this is the direction of government policy, the more that can help to unlock that sort of private investment. So there is power in it, but mm. it's not necessarily enough on its own. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly that. Yeah, I think also on the the car R and D side, if it's clear that's the way you're going, it, it makes those those decisions easier. Almost like you wrote my uh, read my response, uh, Natasha, to your consultation. Uh, but moving on, uh, talking, I guess, of of the means of how we get to to twenty thirty X. So you've got a few really exciting projects at the moment. So two we're very excited about are the the building regs consultation, which closed uh, getting on for a, for about a year ago, yeah. um, and obviously Project Rapid, which I think is almost the flagship. I think it's the most visible uh, project that, that, that you're working on at the moment. Hey, do you have any favourites? What, what are the ones that you're you're enjoying at the minute? Uh, I change my mind every five minutes, to be honest. Um, so, I mean, I think the Project Rapid one is really important. I mean, I mentioned my electric vehicle go 80 odd miles. And I think, well, one, I've really enjoyed some of the some of the work we've done on that and some of the analysis on it, because that's been really quite interesting in terms of Sort of, some there's some uncertainties in it. Anytime you're predicting the future, and you know how the carts will charge, um, how quickly they will charge, um, things like that. You know, even what people's behaviour will be, how often they'll want to charge their vehicles. So, you know, there's quite a lot of uncertainties within that, which for me is just quite interesting, just from a human behavioural point of view. But also just the the sort of setting out of the vision of where we want to be. Um, and then looking at the sorts of interventions that of, of how we need to get there and definitely sort of tackling that key issue of the long distance journeys and how we make sure that the long distance, it really works. So that would be one of my ones. Um, my other area that I find really interesting um, and is actually one of the biggest challenges um, and which we're, we're definitely sort of continuing to look at is what you do for people who don't have off-street parking. Because if you have off-street parking, which I do, you know, you'll charge mostly at home, yeah, that all works, it's it's absolutely fine. But you do also want to get, make sure that you're worrying about the sort of socioeconomic impacts of all of this. You know, uh, do you end up favouring people who have off-street parking and, and exacerbating issues around that? Do you need to worry about how you do that? So I think the whole, um, how do we ensure the sort of equity points and all of that sort of thing, what fits in with people's lifestyles? How does that then fit with other changes in the auto sector, like increasing automation and all of that sort of thing? What does future cities look like? Um, yeah, there's a whole fascinating round one there. Um, and as you can tell, I get, get quite interested in it and quite that. I, I'm much more into the um, uh, the sort of behavioural insights bit and, and that sort of stuff. I, I like the tech, but... I prefer the, the sort of people stuff. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, we, Walt Natasha comes to the fore there, I think, in, in that regard. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. we have that luxury that, that you know, the, the equity side of this is very important. We, we absolutely agree with you. I think the, if you've got the off-street parking, get an EV today, right? The, the, the decision's yeah. already made. It's a fabulous experience. Those who don't, there's lots of question marks over that, and I think that's a challenge. Um, as I say, we have the luxury of we can just build it through the guys who have off-street parking. We've got a lot to do <laughs> in that field at the moment, a lot of growth 
to come. On the project rapid side, um, I guess our view at PowerPoint always does it does kind of the minority of charging, but it's just so critical both to the optics and the practicality. You buy a car for total freedom to go everywhere you might want to go. And if you don't have that on route thing, you're materially limited to half your range effectively, which I think is uh, yeah a challenge in, in, in that in that regard. So I, I really welcome you guys in, into that into that uh, area. So uh, final thing for for um, uh, our, our electrics in, in electric insights chat, as it were, Natasha. So um, importance of educating the youth. Now there are some hints behind you that that might be quite important to you. Um, <laughs> But obviously at Podpoint, we've run our electric schools campaign. I have to say one of my favorite presentations ever was at Woodfall Primary up in uh, Cheshire. That was absolutely brilliant. Some of the engagement from that, some of the questions, the best questions you ever get are coming yeah. from your nine, 10 year olds. Just see straight through things and ask you exactly what matters. But I know you've done a couple of things yourselves with, with Olive. You had your charge point design competition. You've done some stuff with Go Ultra Low. This, this is an area that, that's important to you. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah, like I said, we've, we've done a few bits and pieces. Um, so the charge point design competition was fabulous. We sort of went out and um, as, put it sort of as part of a curriculum option. I didn't realise how many how many entries we were going to get. We got lots, which is fabulous. Um, and some of them were so inventive. There were some really great ones that I really enjoyed. Um, we were part of the judging panel. There was various other people as well who were part of it sort of like from um from the design point of view from the motoring um point of view but yeah it was it was really good and just to see the sort of level engagement and what they thought about in terms of going through it was really good and and got you know just sort of people chatting about it and people thinking about it and yeah we've also done some stuff through um to go ultra low which is our communications campaign um sort of again getting school kids to think about it in terms of their journeys um and that sort of stuff um as you mentioned i've got um i've got a five-year-old who's um who's on her first day back at school today um so yeah it's, it's something that's that's quite dear to my heart um and i do know exactly how good the questions can be from children yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, I think that's all we have time for. Uh, you're a very busy, uh, busy uh, lady, so we better let you go. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much for your time and, and for right. your thoughts today. Thank you very much, James. Brilliant. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks.